Welcome back to the third episode in this series of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. No, the regular time, we're just talking about what we're going through in our quiet times. But this month, it is walking through and seeing biblical principles, seeing Jesus, and your favorite Christmas movies. I I love smiling. Smiling's my favorite. Okay, there it is. I, I really love this Christmas podcast series. This may be my favorite. Uh, Elf is what we're talking about today. Last week, it was Home Alone and seeing and finding Jesus in uh, the very first film that we went over, which was The Grinch. Uh-huh. Yeah. And Elf probably, for me, was the most difficult because I'm like, am I really trying to find spiritual things in this film? <laughs> it's Will Ferrell for crying out loud. Yeah, that's true. But then the more we looked for it, I mean, that's the really cool thing about Jesus is God, anything fun, anything good, I think if you look, you will see Jesus wherever you go and you have to look for it because, I mean, there's evidence in creation all around us. Yeah. And so the creativity alone in this film and the, you know, the abilities of the actors and the director and and everybody who put their collaborative creativity together to create this fun Christmas time. Some call it a masterpiece. It's it's become a new family tradition yeah. every Christmas. I think it's just kind of interesting. It seems like every 10, 15 years we'll have, we'll add a couple of classic Christmas movies. You know, you had a Home Alone in the early 90s, you know, late 80s it was Christmas Vacation. All of a sudden you get to the 2000s and there's Elf and Polar Express, which will be next week. Next week. Yeah. And I, this kind of working from the premise of a, a thought that my dad actually instilled in me as a child and hopefully this is something we can pass along to our children, Carter to his, is that we bring Jesus everywhere we go. And it's like, all right, we want to find, we want to see Jesus in this. Now, clearly, (laughs) there are some films that you just know in your spirit, I need to walk out of this theater. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been there with a Christmas movie as of yet, but no, there are some certainly, yeah. This is not for me. But on, on those other films that you're like, I really enjoy this film. Well, why? Well, there may be some little hidden little hidden Santa Clauses, if you will. Hidden Mickeys is what they would call it in Disney World. Uh, there may be some hidden Jesus in there. Yeah. And we're uncovering yeah. all that and having fun. Hey, by the way, thank you for hanging out with us. If you found us just where you get your podcasts, uh, welcome. This is a weekly podcast that we do, uh, and it's through Hope On Demand. So hopeondemand.com is a website that if you want even more obvious things of what to see Jesus in, there's articles, there's Christian artists talking about their lives, mm-hmm. uh, performances from, you know, for example, Torn Wells, Elevation Worship, a lot of good stuff there at Hope HopeOnDemand.com. So there's this passage, and Hebrews is what I'm going over right now in my quiet time. And it talks about anybody living on milk is still an infant. And it they equate, the writer of Hebrews, they, we don't know who wrote it. Some have guessed Paul, but the more I read the letters of Paul, I'm like, this doesn't feel like the same writing style. Mm. So I don't know who wrote it, but they're saying anybody who is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness is, is like being an infant. So God wants you to grow from just drinking milk and eating baby food to getting steak, to getting the good stuff in terms of, you know, growing in the Lord. And I kind of like that. So when we first see Elf, I think he's still at the milk stage. And when you venture out from up far away from home, when you get far away from home, Mm -hmm. your faith is really then tested, right? If you're close to what you know, in fact, if you're close... the really cool thing about Elf is he's, he lives at, with Santa at the North Pole, so he clearly believes in Santa Claus because he's right there. Right. But when he goes into New York City, everybody thinks he's Looney Tunes because he believes in Santa. They can't see him. So your faith is 
hugely going to be rocked and tested once you leave that nest, that place of, I had visual of Santa Claus. And here's the disciples, we read about them in the New Testament. They hung out with Jesus. They saw him. The Apostle Paul, Jesus met him on the road to Damascus. They saw him. And now they're delivering this good news to other people. And sometimes it people are ready to receive right away. And as we also read from you know the book of Acts, sometimes people are like, I want to hear more from you. And there are people who just completely denounced and walked away and never wanted another piece of it again. And that's what Elf was going to encounter. That's what Buddy well, would encounter. And so you have this, this him going to college-like speech from Santa yeah. with some advice. Some people, they just lose sight of what's important in life. That doesn't mean they can't find their way again, huh? Maybe all they need is just a little Christmas spirit. I'm good at that. I know you are. And then he just walks off. It's, yeah, goes through his little North Pole door. He runs into the narwhal. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) The narwhal. Goes off on his little iceberg, little glacier thing, and... There you go. But um, so let, let's, uh, if you will, just grant me this. We're going to look at Christmas spirit as faith in Jesus Christ. And we, we've just found out from Santa, we've just found out that Buddy's dad is on the naughty list. And that's where he starts encouraging Buddy and said, sometimes people lose their way. Mm-hmm. But there's still hope. And I think it's so important that we grab hold of that message. Because Buddy has lived close, near, and dear to Santa Claus. He's able to bring that message of hope to his dad. He knows full well Santa's real. He knows full well. And everybody, everybody's life that he touches now from then on is going to in some way be influenced by his knowledge of Santa Claus and everything merry, cheery, and bright. Because, I mean, that's, you can't help but emanate what you believe what you choose to live in. And we see that all throughout the show. And we see that in his work ethic. When Buddy gets to New York City, he goes and he works at this department store. He finds out that Santa's coming. Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. (laughs) So he then stays up all night and decorates the entire store. I mean, he does the Etch-A-Sketch with the Mona Lisa and, like, everything. The light brights, and it says, Welcome, Santa, I think is what it says. It's just incredible over the top. Yeah. And when they come in the next day, they're like, this is a little too good. The corporate? Corporate come in? They come in. <laughs> and and Zoe Deschanel's character, she's like, oh, you did this? When she finds out the buddy did this. Right. Wow. I, I think that it also speaks to how we can be walking out our faith and what we believe. I don't know about you. I get tired. The to-do list gets long. And there are days I just want to have these. You know, sure. but everything we do, do it unto the Lord. That's what scripture tells us to do. And, and I mean, that's that's there's an old adage as well. Uh, if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah. Might as well. Yeah. <laughs> Job done right. Yeah. And and I think that that's where we get it from is from the scripture that to do everything is unto the Lord. And so in that moment, buddy's thinking Santa's coming. I'm going to make it look good yeah, because he deserves the best. That's right. And if we lived out our life every single day. Now, I understand. Listen, I mentioned that to-do list. There's balance in what I'm saying here. Maybe Habsies is your best that day because 
half of the to-do list is literally physically all you can do, mm-hmm. then that's enough. But I want to do whatever it is as unto the Lord, and I want to make sure that I'm giving him my best. So if my best is to cut the list in half, then yeah. do that. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, a full effort, but but yes. but but okay, balance in yeah. rest, right? I, like I remember we had talked to a guy, uh, Bob Goff, Mm-hmm. He's an incredible speaker yeah. and author. He's and got one-liners. Motivator and one-liners and all that. Um, but he's insane. Um, <laughs> and 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 I and I sit here and I really I really wanted to say, I said a couple of times, we may have even talked about it on a podcast before, because I think what he was presenting in this particular story is one of those the rest of us gotta gotta go, no, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's him, if that's for him, that's fine. He had accidentally double booked. If you recall this story, Rochelle, I do. he had double booked. He he had a, a, a graduate. Oh no, I know what it was. It, it, he had done it on purpose. It was uh, one one morning in Northern California and the next morning in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And it was like 9 a.m. And he was at this church in Northern California and he was going to speak and do that. He's getting his breakfast there. Yeah. And then he's going to get on a flight at one and he's going to get in a hotel, and get settled in, do something the next day. Well, they come in and they go, Bob, what are you doing here? And he goes, well, I'm going to speak in like 30 minutes. They go, oh, Bob, I'm so sorry. Uh, we booked you for 9 p.m. And he's sitting here going, Oh no! Because I've already booked something else. So I could cancel on one or the other. Yeah. And he said, "No, I'm going to do both." So he stayed and then got an Uber for a ten-hour drive. Yes. And made it by morning time. And I'm sitting here going, "I would be willing to call in that situation. Yeah. I would have to eat my words and call somebody and go. I can't do one of these. I messed up. And that's okay. Yeah. I think it just depends on the situation. I think both." Might work for you. I think what what I would like to, I think what I didn't necessarily love is that he he because he's a motivator mm-hmm. and he's saying it in a way of see see we can all do this <laughs> and I'm going no that's for some people and not for others yeah and if if God has called you to it he'll help you get through sure. it yeah we've yeah. heard that that's right so if you have clarity in your heart I'm supposed to go then go. Sure. But if you're doing it because of some, oh, man, I'm so tired, but I don't know. But mm, Right, right. You start to play this tug of war in your brain about what you should do. I don't feel like that's clarity. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I take it to the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, I messed up. Sometimes your mess up can be a blessing to somebody else because they appreciate your character and owning that you messed up. Yeah, well— because, and of course, Bob's not like this, but but there are people that act uh, like they all they never mess up. They always have it together. And per, first of all, perfect people aren't relatable. Um, and then also it sets this standard, especially if it's from Christian leaders. I think it's harmful. Yeah. Because then the rest of us go, oh, I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. And then we, we feel locked into this, yeah. like we can't be vulnerable type of thing. I think it's really important to go back to the statement you just made. Because this is where it, this is where excuses come in. Mm-hmm. Perfect people aren't relatable. Well, what about Jesus? He yeah. was perfect, and he was relatable. <laughs> okay, so we are ever in process becoming like Christ. Mm-hmm. And even in reading what I read out of Hebrews at the beginning of the podcast, indicates there is a growth and a process to it. Yeah, we are not instantly perfect. I don't believe that. I believe we are new creations in Christ. Mm-hmm. I believe that when we say yes to Jesus, we're written down in his book. We're in. Our eternity is set in Jesus. Mm-hmm. But I believe that I am ever in process 
of discovering and uncovering truths through Jesus. And I, the more I know about Jesus, the more I'm convinced, the less I know about yeah. Jesus. Oh, yeah. He is infinite. So when we say that perfect people aren't relatable, he relates to us in that he came as God into human form related to everything that we have ever touched, done, eaten. He dealt with temptation, but he was without sin. And I think that's the the great relate is that when he shared these stories, these parables from from things that people could see around them, it was so relevant to the times when he would talk about farming and the the money situation. He'd bring up the coin in the face of Caesar and, you know, the, the woman who gave her my all of these things that he's taking from around them so they could touch and know that the Lord was good in that moment. Uh, I think that what, was relatable. Well, when I say that, I'm not talking about him speaking to us. I know, but I think that's where that, Carter, I think is where we sometimes can work from as followers of Christ. Well, Jesus was perfect, and therefore I'm supposed to be perfect. Scripture tells me I need to be perfect, so I need to somehow accomplish this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's, what, that's what's great. It's not relatable for me to live up to a perfect standard. And whether it's uh, to Jesus or whether I'm doing that thing, comparing myself to other people because they act like they're perfect. We're, on, we're actually on the same playing field, and they're lying through their teeth. But with, with this example, Jesus is perfect, and it's, it's unrelatable in the fact that I could never be like him. But— what I need is him. Yeah, his spirit. To be seen as righteous by God. There you go. So that I am washed white as snow. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. It, moving forward in terms of the uh when the corporate showed up, or so they thought, <laughs> and then Santa showed up, and of course it wasn't Santa, he smelled like beef and cheese. Um, then we look at the work ethic of Buddy, and we look at the shrewdness of Buddy. For example, when he finally finds his dad. Are you going to sing a song or something, or can I just go back? A song? Uh, yeah. Anything for you, Dad. Um, I, I'm, I'm here with my dad, and we never met, and he wants me to sing him a song. And um, I was adopted, but you didn't know I was born. Okay, so obviously <laughs> he's doing. It's a hit. It's <laughs> that's a number one man. That's a jam. That's a good line. It's a hit right there. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, this is kind of a launch point because he, you could say he's being shrewd to some degree. You know, the wisdom, the 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 cunning, if you will, to to walk in there and then do what he thinks he needs to do to get a chance to talk to his dad more. And then obviously when they kick him out and all those ways he tries to sneak back in and then he's in the department store window and he's doing this and then he he decorates the apartment. He's doing all these things to make sure that he's getting the most important message across. And yes. and for him, That's that is, good. you're my dad. Yeah. Now, can we look at Elf as a, a an exact example of what we should follow? No, I think there's some rules he breaks in the meantime. <laughs> he puts syrup on spaghetti. Oh, that's just, that's not right. Drinks a whole that's, two liter of Coke in one set. That's, that's not good I mean, for you. Wilford Brimley is not going <laughs> to enjoy that. Um, so I look at, though, if Jesus saying you're to be um, wise as serpents but innocent as doves, mm -hmm. And I think that there are a lot of ways that Christians go, well, I, I better not do that. Um, I bet, oh, you, you know, I need to have this display of, of kindness and humility. And we were even talking about a friend uh, the other day that um, he, he said, hey, you have a meeting with a very important person. Feel free to throw my name out there. Mm -hmm. 
and and the guy did and they ended up getting a meeting together. Yeah. And I think what I where I fall into a lot of the time is I don't want to be seen as pompous or I don't want to be seen as whatever. And it's like, no, go for it. Like, especially when it comes to the gospel. Like using wisdom and even earthly ways to get them. I mean, there's a reason there's Christian YouTube channels, you know, Christian movies, Christian, or even just people uh, that are Christians in mainstream workplaces. We are to go share the gospel, and in any way that is not sin, we should be a part of it and doing. And I love Buddy's tenacity here. Yeah, I I don't really have much more to add to that. He's such a sweet. A sweet, naive soul, kind of going back to the very beginning of when we were talking about, uh, you know, babies drinking milk and eating. How do we get to the place where we're eating steak now? We're maturing. And I think, yeah, getting thrown into New York City will grow you up pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, he never loses his sweetness. Yeah. He never loses his joy. And he's starting to get wiser in those circumstances that make you need to be streetwise a bit. Yeah, he's his um his uh, um he's a bit maybe calloused on the outside. His skin's gotten tougher. He's got a thick yeah. skin, but his heart never gets hardened. He's never sold his soul. Yeah, and his faith in Santa and this this mission of his to bring Christmas cheer to his dad—that's what he believes is going to make a big difference. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 In his crusty dad. Yeah. His. Crusty dad. And perhaps right. you've got a crusty dad in your life. Now, whether it's your actual <laughs> father or maybe it's a friend or somebody, there yeah. is somebody in your world that needs that Christmas cheer. And it's so easy to get down because right. they're just not receiving it right away. And just don't give up on that person because God is not. Why? How do you know that, Rochelle? Because he put you in their life. Yeah. And you yeah. haven't you haven't given up on them if you're still if you're mourning that loss. I think that's an indicator that you haven't given up on them. Mm. Yeah. And and you got to live the life that you want to see in your environment too. Mm. Everywhere Buddy goes, he brings this spirit, this life. You remember the mail room? Oh yeah. When his dad takes him down into the mail, he's like, "Oh, Buddy, you're gonna love this." Which I love that he's always open to an opportunity and just embracing it. And the just, mail room. It's like a first. Everything is a first. Like the best cop, the world's best cup of coffee. Right. And he's encouraging them. You did it. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's 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 celebrating people. He's a fan of people. But I think that's where life is because we, I especially if you grew up in church, you feel this happiness that's there, you know, because we have joy, but there's this happiness of just the... Oh, Jesus, and this and that, and good times. And then you go through life like Buddy does, and you're not naive anymore. Yeah. And not only you, you real, do you realize that there are just bad things that just happen, but also people that treat you bad. Yeah. People that don't have a good, crusty people and worse. Mm-hmm. And, and so the idea when you step back at this and you look at the example throughout the whole movie of Buddy learning his journey and and his journey and getting wiser and yet keeping that spirit of faith i think that's a really that may be the best takeaway is just kind of the overall view absolutely and he even though he was sad about his dad who said i don't want to i don't want to be a part of this mm-hmm. i don't want you to be my son yeah well here you go where do you want me to go i don't care where you go I don't care that you're an elf. I don't care that you're nuts. I don't care that you're my son. Get out of my life now. Those are harsh words. Yeah. You walk away from somebody telling you that. I mean, let alone a family member, your father, somebody who's 
probably their love is something that you have longed for. Their acceptance of you, their validation is something that you've longed for for so long. That would shake you mm. if somebody yelled at you like that and said something similar. Right. And he does get sad. So just like you're talking about that happy feeling, mm-hmm. there's sadness there too, but it does not rob him of who he is. It does not rob him of his joy. Mm-hmm. He still knows that Santa's a thing. <laughs> he still knows that there's Christmas cheer and there's a way to ignite it. And I think from the other side, whether we're crusty or whether we've just had that moment of such frustration, because that, you know, in, in, in James Conn's defense, He's sitting there, and the big meeting was happening, and yeah. Buddy interrupts and calls Peter Dinklage an elf. He blows the deal. He blows the deal, and he says these words that clearly he's going to regret, and that is why the Bible says to be slow to speak mm-hmm. and slow to anger, and uh, the anger part is tough, and so are the so is the speaking as well, but but to, to in the moment when there's emotion there— yeah to hold your tongue. Yeah. And then if you really calm down and think about it and and maybe there's maybe maybe everything that you thought does need to be said. Sure. Or maybe none of it or maybe usually it's about half of it. And the point needs to be made, but the 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 get out of my this example, get out of my life mm. never needs to be said. In fact, I think that right. I think all of it there never needs to be said. Yeah. You know, buddy, you don't interrupt important meetings. That's one thing. But to take it to the emotional place of clearly this this frustration that's built up with him calling him names uh, and, and get out and, of my life exactly yeah and and so that's I think one thing to to the Bible clearly teaches is to I mean the the tongue is a spark that sets a forest yeah. aflame and he didn't mean it he no, didn't because he he follows after him right yeah that's true he doesn't want him out of his life so I mean that that also should if you have had people speak harsh words to you like that yeah. I mean just take that you may not even see that there is remorse there ever right they may never follow you yeah and say i'm sorry i didn't mean those things but i don't most of the time people are speaking out of their own issues Mm -hmm. their own Mm self-loathing unfortunately and it just spills out and over and clearly this character in the film was just he was crusty he was grumpy he was on the naughty list well he didn't like who he was he didn't have a good relationship with his his second son, the younger yeah. one, and he didn't clearly didn't like his job, right? And in, 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 at least as it went on, he didn't. He was probably frustrated that he didn't even know he had a son. Yeah. Why didn't I know about this? Oh my goodness! I mean, a All million things. I mean, this is a character in a movie, but a million things could have been thought, and then that com- that comes out of his mouth. And also, I I think it's interesting to note Buddy's response. So if you're on the receiving end of that. I know, and I'll be the first one to raise my hand and say, I have dished it right back. Mm. So I'm the person who's going to bring the, quote, Christmas cheer. And I'm talking to old Krusty, and old Krusty goes off on me. I'm going to, oh, the urge Mm. for some word vomit is going to come up, and I'm going to want to go there. Well, let me tell you a thing or two. That's right. But his response is to be our response. A gentle answer turns away wrath, Mm. and he walks away. Yeah. He doesn't go mix words with him. So I thought that was good, too. Uh, here's the end. And this is the most important 
part of the movie in so many ways that the the uh, I had so, one more thing. Can I? Oh, say did you have one more thing? Sure. I know you wanted to cab. I, I yeah. wanted to talk about the clausometer and right. and, yeah. and Kringle. Is that where you were going? Yeah, I was gonna play this first. Oh, well, then play that. So this is uh, the important part where uh, the Central Park thing had just happened, mm-hmm. and they're trying to get the sleigh going. Yes, and then here is the clausometer that is on this thing, and it needs to be, and it's Which broken. Measures Christmas cheer. Yeah, and so now they have to sing. Christmas cheer for loudly for all to hear. Yes. And here's the very end when James Conn won't really sing yet. Wait, you're not singing. Yes, I am. No, you're not. You're just moving your lips. What's the big deal? Dad. Santa Claus is coming to And, and they actually, James Conn saved his own life because it was right behind him. And everybody's looking. And Santa and his sleigh are in the air, ready to go for the rest of the night. Because it's powered by Christmas cheer. It's powered by the faith of people. Mm-hmm. And the, the elves have fashioned, actually Buddy's dad elf, fashioned the Kringle 3000, which is, it's elf-made. So it's not natural. It's not faith-based. This is something, this is a help, a boost, mm-hmm. if you will. And haven't we discovered that anything you or I do in our own doesn't work? It doesn't. And we could try, listen, I want this person to know the Lord, so I need to, I need to, I need to. And that's not what's going to do it. What literally does it at the end of this movie is Buddy has touched the lives of all of these people who are singing at the end of the film. He's touched the lives by living out his faith, by living out what it is that he believes. And that is our most effective way of sharing the gospel message is by showing that I'm not just one who talks the talk, I'm walking it too. Mm -hmm. I think it's powerful. Yeah, I think it's, um, uh, it's very inspiring when you know, it's yeah, it's both. It's it's making sure to to back up what you believe, and then all of a sudden, instead of it's just this, oh, it's my religion. Oh, I go on Sundays when I can. Oh, I whatever. It, it's no, I believe that Jesus is who He said yeah. He was. Yeah, and, I and, see Carter when he doesn't think anybody's watching, and he really does believe and walk out what he says that he does. You know, that's those are the kind of comments that you hope. Yeah. To hear and and honestly, you hear a lot of that from people who become followers of Christ. I saw that guy. And when I realized he was authentic, he was sincere. That made a difference in my life. Yeah, it'll really get him thinking. And then going, well, then let me take this a little more seriously and sit down and read the Bible. And I love the fact that, you know, there's there's a faith journey of somebody that is, um, you know, an an unbeliever or, you know, what we were referencing, believers um, living their life to to, um, be a model Mm -hmm. for unbelievers. But I think when it comes to believers and faith, I think this is a really important scene for me mm-hmm. because what's being asked now, our faith doesn't make God work, right? right? So that you so there's a little no, bit of a discord but here. But it does inspire others. It inspires others. But but in this part, when it comes to James Kahn is kind of walking through the motions right. there yeah. at the beginning. He's just just He's mouthing, mouthing the words. <laughs> and his son says, you're just mouthing the words. You're not even doing it. Yeah. And here, I think he still feels it's silly, but he's seen too much to know that it's not true. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he knows it's true. He just was in Central Park. And so 
here he, without his feelings intact, he goes for it. He's going to step out. And and in this situation, that's what helps the, the clausometer. Yeah. But in real life, when we don't feel it because we've been hurt uh-huh. or because a tragedy has happened in our lives, yeah. I think that's what you can read through when it comes to the Psalms. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my feelings, my happy feelings aren't there. Mm-hmm. Job is another great example. Yeah. And yet I'm still going to praise. And there would be a difference in, in, in walking through the motions of just showing up at church and just being on your phone. And No, a, a sincere, wherever you are, whether it's church or uh, alone at home or on a walk, of saying, God, I don't understand, and I'm even having trouble right now. Help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. But, but I've seen too much. I know too much about the Bible. I've seen too much in my life for me to think it's not true all of a sudden. Yeah. So I'm going to praise in the midst of my heart, my my feelings not quite being there. And what does what happens to you when you start praising the Lord and you're having a junk day? Mm, I, I think your attitude has changed. Your attitude has changed. It's the supernatural presence of God that you have been ushered into, like the awareness of it. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. you're always, God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. Yeah. But now I have yeah. opened up myself to the fact, I've opened myself to the presence. My dad says, you present yourself to the presence. Mm. It's already there. Yeah. So... The Bible, uh, David says, to enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. I love the fact that it's a song that they're singing about Santa mm-hmm. that brings it to this this climactic point in the film. It's like, oh, now I've opened the door with this song for others to experience yeah. the thing that I've because I'm now I'm now praising the Lord, and it's <laughs> it's incredible how that spills up and over onto other people. And when we walk out these things in obedience, what God asks us, commands us to do even. Because if you don't praise, these rocks will cry out. Right. Yeah. You know, I I want to make sure that I'm walking things out because I don't want him to search. And when he says, well, who should I send? That I let him go past me to the next person. Hmm. Let me be that person. Here I am, Lord, send me. I'll I'll sing the Santa Claus song. I'll (laughs) sing I love it. Um, that's uh, just some things to think about as you yeah. watch Elf and enjoy. And we'll get to our last one, the Polar Express, which is I speak into the word believe. There you go. I know Rochelle's uh, Rochelle. I think this, this next week's movie is what made you want to do this series. It is because I was rewatching it with my son the other day and I'm not going to I get teary eyed. So Caleb is 12 years old. And he loves going onto the train that is the Polar Express train. There's one in our area, yeah. In our area. And he dresses up every single year with his Polar Express robe and his yellow pajamas looks just like the hero boy. But we were rewatching this movie. I've seen a zillion times and literally used to potty train my son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not watching Polar Express today until you, you do a number two. <laughs> and that's that. And it worked. Yeah, that's good. Like that. Yeah, that's good. I know you threaten your kid. That's great, Rochelle. Yeah. But no. <laughs> There was a line in it, and it was scripture coming off of the page in my memory as Tom Hanks' character was sharing it. I'm like, okay, this is good. It's too good not to share. Okay. Well, next week then? Okay. All right. So thank you for hanging with us. This is the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, and uh, a lot more for you at HopeOnDemand.com.